You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. You're listening to a special presentation here on RPS of London Octet Caroline, the band that started out as a three-piece while studying in Manchester, inspired by the slow-tempo energies made great by bands like Mogwai when they're restrained, or even Slint when they're creeping in the shadows, grew their numbers once they relocated to London, enlisting their talented friends to fill out songs with strings and winds. We caught up with guitarist and vocalist Casper Hughes to talk about their beginnings and some of the fine creative choices they've made on their debut album. RPS presents Caroline. Thank you, Casper from Caroline. Congratulations on your debut album, also titled Caroline. Tell me about the beginnings of the band. How did you all meet? How did it all start off? I understand there were just three of you, right? We started playing together as a three, around about, well, I think early 2017. Um, so I I was at university with Jasper in Manchester. Jasper knew Mike from back home. Um, they, they kind of used to know each other but when they were te- teenagers and played kind of folk music together. Um, so me and me and Jasper, when we went came down to London, I think I was, we were both doing masters and um, we started playing together. And then eventually kind of drafted Mike in. Um, yeah, we just kind of played together as a three for maybe about a year or so. Um, yeah, just kind of, I'm, I'm playing a few of the songs that we play now, still to this day, like kind of Dark Blue and Good Morning, the two two songs that obviously are on our album, two of our singles, but they were kind of two of the first songs that we wrote as a three. All the music you've put out reminds me of a special time in the late 90s, early 2000s, when slowcore was quite popular. Were you fans of the genre around the time when you were so young? Yeah, yeah, we we, we were, definitely, yeah. I think we were kind of listening to... Well, yeah, I, I don't know, yeah, I think definitely that towards the end of my time in Manchester and at university, me and Jazz used to listen to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of kind of like post-rock, slowcore kind of thing. Um, trying to think like what what bands that we, we still like. I mean, I, we obviously obviously kind of like Mogwai, Slint, all, all all that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, Aerial M, Papa M, all the kind of like Dave Paho like kind of side project things. We were all really into. So yeah, that that, that definitely like informed a lot a lot of our early music for sure. What else were you into in the early two thousands? Oh, in college? Oh, well, well, oh sorry, well, um, at, at uni? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, I was like super into dance music, basically. I was like, I kind of like, I was obsessed, basically, with, like House and Techno and like collected loads of vinyl and basically DJed on my like friends' Technics like quite a lot. I mean, I didn't really, I DJ at a few house parties, but like, so I, I mean, I, I almost like solely listened to electronic music when I was at university. I, I mean, towards the end, I kind of, actually, that, that's not entirely true, but I mean, that was, that was pretty, predominantly what, what, what I listen to. Um, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Jasper has always been into kind of, um, Jasper and Mike have always been kind of folk and country as well. And that was, that was, it was quite a weird crossover. Like we, we met and we're into just entirely different kinds of music. Like me, I was into kind of like 
pounding techno basically and he and he was kind of <laughs> into like really um since occasionally quite obscure and um uh well i mean for me difficult to listen to like like uh, country music so we, we kind of like well i mean we 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 did have um uh things that where our taste um converged but uh we also there was a lot of like each other like showing showing each other things and being kind of a bit a bit perplexed when we first met <laughs> well usually that's the basis for how a lot of bands form right a shared taste in obscure bands oh you're into industrial japanese goth so am i <laughs> you know anyway uh, before landing on your current sound i understand you used to jam a lot uh what were those early rehearsals like um so it was it, it was a lot of kind of very right repetitive <laughs> stuff basically um i mean I, I think it kind of stemmed from me not being that good on the guitar and, and kind of like basically discovering these kind of open tunings and just playing these repeated guitar lines um which kind of sounded good to us and then we just like loop them and kind of build up these kind of loops as a three and kind of just kind of keep playing them and playing them and playing them and just really enjoying those loops and what they sounded like um uh yeah so it was kind of yeah a jam, yeah there was a, a jam in that sense um uh and then I kind of as we kind of kept playing them we kind of obviously wanted to construct them into proper songs and that's i suppose when we started thinking about adding more more members to the band and and trying to make them a bit more kind of compositionally complex and interesting by adding other other instruments what was the pitch when you talked to trained musicians like violin players and horns to get them to join the band? I, I don't think we, we pitched anything to them. <laughs> more just like, they, they, they were kind of our friends. We were like, hey, do, do you want to come and play with us? Like, they were like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, it, it made sense. It worked. And yeah, um, yeah, and they kind of carried on in, in the band. Yeah, it wasn't, I, I don't think we had to persuade them. I know that sounded terrible. Like those American, like kind of an American coach. Yeah, this is the pitch, dude. We're going for that early Midwestern 2000 sound, you know, man. Maybe, I mean, maybe we, we, we kind of did recordings and sent them to people and we're like, hey, what do you think? Like, would you want to come and do this? Like something over this. I mean, yeah, maybe we had to persuade them by recording something, but yeah. Uh, well, nowadays it is a challenge to get so many musicians rehearsing at once. Uh, was this the case? Uh, was it hard setting rehearsal dates? It was. I think, in many ways, um, obviously we we recorded a lot of the album over a kind of lockdowns and um, kind of early stages of the pandemic. Which, in many ways, like, I, I, I like now I think like God, we were actually incredibly lucky in a way because we we had a lot of. You know, lots of people weren't weren't working as much at the time on kind of universal credit, or yeah, basically there wasn't as much work around, and uh, we were able basically to meet up a lot more frequently uh, frequently than we than we would now. Um, and I mean, it is yeah, it's difficult to get everyone in the same room. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like um, I suppose we're we're not uh, writing in a very active way for for a second record yet, even though we've kind of got a few bits together, but. I mean, now we're just getting getting together for rehearsals for, for this kind of upcoming tours, um, which is fine. We, you know, we 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 managed to do it, but you know, it's it, yeah, you're right. It's difficult with that many people to get everyone together for sure. Have you already been able to test the difference from a creative point of view? Now that you're eight seasoned musicians compared to when you started out as three, I mean, do you think this will make a change in the sound of Caroline for future releases? Yeah, that's that's that's. And it, uh, 
an interesting question. Like, um, so we we recently played a show. We recently did like a, a basically a long duration imp- uh, improvisation um, at the South Bank. We kind of played for five hours together, um, and I think that was really good because we we I mean we we did a kind of maybe like four or five practices before just to kind of like get used to playing together, um, and yeah, I think that was a really like good exercise and kind of just like in kind of communicating <laughs> with, with with each other and kind of getting used to playing. Um, again, uh, in terms of how that will inform future future writing, I think I think it will be a, I think it will be a bit of a mix. Like I think there will be things that me, Mike, and Jasper will kind of will construct separately and then bring to the rest of the band and kind of and kind of di- direct people. But I think there probably will be um, times when we'll initiate improvisations between all of us and potentially use some of that material as part of kind of a composition as well. I think. Yeah, I think we kind of there's lo- there's lots of room to experiment with that. So yeah. You sound like you could be a band from Glasgow from that era, like the ones you've mentioned, you know, Mogwai or any of the bands on Chemical Underground of that era. Yet you're formed in London, a city which is very upbeat. How do you manage to keep things calm on tracks like IWR? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I feel kind of like somehow the kind of yeah. It doesn't feel like the kind of frenetic nature of London really like bleeds into our music in in any like overt way. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose we we we, we like value kind of different like dynamic changes and shifts in our music and we so we value like softness as a as a quality um i think there's something quite nice in like in 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 there being like a multitude of people doing something at once but doing it in a very like soft way and and the effect that that has is quite interesting because like obviously because there's so many of you that that sound is being multiplied but obviously like you're all kind of bringing yourself down to kind of uh, as low a level as possible um, I mean, I, I don't know how really how, how that relates to living in London or not. I'm, I'm not really sure. But like, um, yeah, no, but but kind of softness and loudness at points, and having those like those contrasting like uh, dynamics is is um, yeah, a really important part of my music for sure. Casper, do you think being so good at creating this softness is a subconscious way of dealing with living in a city that moves so fast? Yeah, I, I think I think there's there's been points when we've um, when when people have kind of called our music meditative or like or um, yeah, and and we've kind of and we've almost like I don't know put, try to try to push back against that, but um, I do. I mean, I, I I suppose I do. I, I do. I like the moment, say, in our set or in or in. Um, in our album, where there, where there is there's, there's space um, and moments of silence and quiet, um, and I, I like that not everything needs to be filled. And I, I suppose that is a kind of a, a backlash against a form of like contemporary, like capitalist living in a very like abstract way, <laughs> like in just like there being things taking a long time and things like. Uh, not needing to be filled or crammed in some way, but just like kind of 
like left <laughs> as kind of long as possible or I, I don't know I suppose that that isn't there is an element of that of that to it um which maybe kind of partly relates to your question about London I think yeah yeah it's so powerful and I'm so happy you're going to be playing Barcelona in May I can't wait to experience the effect of being in a crowded room and those moments of silences that can be as euphoric as a big drop in say a techno song right I can imagine you feed off that energy right Yeah, they're quite special moments sometimes, and um, uh, yeah, I've, 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 I think I've said this maybe, maybe in, in, in another interview or two. So sorry if someone's hearing this and it's been repeated elsewhere. But a friend of ours came to see our show in uh, in Manchester, and like, I think what, what he said something quite quite interesting about how like because because of those silences and those moments of quiet, like it, when you're in the audience, you feel very implicated in, in the kind of overall performance because any any movement that you make or thing that you do or say is is going to be very much a part of the sound and the performance that's being created, which I think, I think hopefully has an effect of really involving everyone who uh, who is there in, in the whole, in, in, in the performance of, 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 as a whole. And, um, I th- yeah, I, th- I think that that potentially has has quite a cool effect. A lot of the vocals seem to be recorded far away from a microphone, and the effect is like listening in on a band playing in a space rather than songs sung into a microphone up front. Was this a deliberate decision? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, yeah, de- yeah, it definitely was. I think there's something. Um, yeah, there's something just like very nice about the kind of the kind of like effect of a, of a distant vocal of like a of a, of a of a vocal in a room rather than just really i mean i, I mean i think we we, we 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 do both in the album i think natural death the last track the very up close and very kind of like you can, you can hear every syllable being enunciated and it's like you can almost hear, hear the kind of plosives and everything and and i think that's, that's very cool and has its place but yeah the, 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 the distance as well is is nice and you can obviously you can you can hear more of the room in the Um, yeah, in, in in the vocal, like, um, which I, I think, yeah, is cool. Um, so what, what was your question? If it was a deliberate thing, it's as if you're walking past a rehearsal space and you hear a band singing without a microphone. I love that. Like, I think um, often those, those accidental um, recording, or, or, or those kind of like off-the-cuff recordings that you make, say, on your phone or... Even you have you have like a Zoom mic that you just kind of stick in the corner of a room that you know are recorded incredibly Im- imperfectly, but but for whatever reason capture this moment when you first write something or you you create something off the cuff, but just because of the the energy that was in the room and the way that you were playing off each other, just like it just works as a recording, but because of all those different factors. Um, And I think because we we've had loads of those recordings in the past, um, where we've been like, God, oh, like that recording is so good, and then we try and we try and recapture it somehow using you know recording things you know really well, and it just, it just doesn't sound the same. It's not the same. Like it doesn't have that same energy and like feel to it. Um, and so I think from that we realized that like. Um, There are kind of imperfect recordings as such, or, or, or ones where you capture the the kind of the room or the energy in the room in a way is is um is a kind of interesting way of 
uh, yeah, recording. And, I, I, and it's just something we've kind of like developed and, and yeah, I want to develop further. Good Morning Red is a hopeful song written around 2017 when the UK was in political turmoil from the Brexit deal. How do you feel about that song now when you perform it? I guess it's kind of, it's taken on um, so many iterations through the kind of composition and recording process that um, it's not, it's, I don't see it as like a far off song you wrote all the way back then. It's like, it's, it still feels kind of current to me in a way, but I think kind of what you're referring to in that when we first wrote it, it felt kind of hopeful when it like it, yeah, and I don't know, and, and, and things felt hopeful to me. I mean, I mean you, you referenced the, the Brexit vote, which obviously um, is, is, is not what I'm um, referring to in the song. Like there was, so 2017, there was a general election in, in the country, and this is when Jeremy Corbyn was leader, leader of the Labour Party. And um, yeah, basically, I mean, so he, he started the campaign, you know, like something like ridiculous, like 18 points behind um and was basically totally written off as he had you know, he was going to lose it's going to be the end of kind of socialist politics in, in in the uk um and i kind of and a few others in the band and lots of our friends kind of got involved in campaigning and door knocking and as did you know tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of other people and it was one of those it was just it was a crazy like couple of months because every every few days these kind of polls would come out and his poll ratings had kind of jumped up another three or four points to the point where, you know, the day before the election, they, they, they were almost neck and neck. It was like, like one of the greatest comebacks ever. But <laughs> it, it, it was kind of utterly joyful to, to be a part of because you were there, you know, three or four times a week going out door knocking um, and kind of sent, and you, were, and you were sensing, you were sensing something was happening because like people um, were, far more receptive to what you had to say than perhaps like certain kind of right-wing newspapers would, would, were telling you. Um, and, you know, eventually the kind of the, the, the result came out. Um, yeah, Labour lost, but it was a um, hung parliament. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a very like, I mean, that election night was like, honestly, one of the best nights of my life, like just, utter joy at like something that you've kind of put your all into and has you know has kind of come off in some way um and just like the, that genuine feeling of hope that that things might actually change that we, we might actually kind of see some genuine social change in our in our lifetimes um and obviously you know we're we're in 2022 now and like that kind of hope feels if not entirely extinguished then like somewhat and um yeah, so I mean, when 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 we sing that song now, when I shout those lyrics, so the the, the lyrics are, um, "Can I be happy in this world?" Um, we'll have to change it. It doesn't suit us, which 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 for me, like at the time, was uh, was relevant because I kind of felt that the, the the kind of objective social conditions that we live under like don't lend themselves towards like kind of happiness or like or you know or kind of just like well being on behalf of the vast majority of people. But like, if we collectively change those circumstances, then we can kind of like live <laughs> um, generally more kind of like happy and like sustain, uh, sustainable lives. Um, and obviously uh, that's, um, yeah, that, that, that hope has, has, has dwindled um, somewhat, uh, which like obviously, obviously, and, and, and yeah, sorry, I was going to say, so, so when, I, when, I, when we sing that song now, 
Um, and when I, sh- when I shout those same lyrics, I kind of, um, there, there, there is actually like, there's more pain in them. I feel like actually like, like when, when, when I, I, I like really like, and actually I have to kind of start doing this because I always like fuck up my voice, but I always like really like try and scream them because like there, there is an element of pain. There is an element of like of, of loss, I think that kind of comes through. You've been known for rearranging and modifying songs for long periods of time. How long does it take you to be satisfied with a song? Um, <laughs> uh, it kind of it kind of depends. It kind of depends. I mean, so for example, skydiving onto the library roof, which is so uh, what I think our second single. It's actually relatively quick to write. I mean, when I say relatively quick, maybe like probably like a year in total. <laughs> so, so not really that quick, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, the thing is, I, I don't know whether now our process is now sped up because we've just, we've, because we've worked so hard on composing songs over a number of years that now we're like, we know what we're doing a lot more. And, and I can't work out whether, whether the time it took for us to, to do, to, to really do these songs was actually because we just, we're just kind of working out our process. So I'm, I can really only answer that question after we, after the second album, <laughs> but like, but like, but like probably, probably I'll be like, no, it just takes us ages. And probably like, you know, like 10 years down the line, I'll be like, yeah, no, it just takes even longer the second time. No, no I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it's, it's long. It, it is very long. And, um, I, I hope that that kind of means that the music is is good and very well thought out because it takes us so long. But I mean, sometimes I do despair that we could take half an hour time uh, and maybe they'd be better. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Is this band run like a tight ship or the opposite? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, a tight ship in what sense? Well, you know, you're a professional band now. You're on a label, lots of tasks need to be done. Are you an organized collective or can it be a bit shambolic? No, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a shambolic. No, I think, I think so me, Jasper and Mike pick up the majority of the tasks. Um, and we, and we, we do devolve, um, elements to, to, to other, other members of the band as well. Like, like Magdalena does kind of the social media stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's, it's quite a tight ship. I mean, I mean, we've, there's always, I think in, in big bands, it's always like, I mean, it's nice because we're all friends, like we're all actually friends. Um, you know, I mean, the majority of us have known each other from before we started this band. Um, but there's always, I think there's always difficulties with, with big bands and making sure and, 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 um, yeah, with with kind of levels of involvement and levels of kind of like, uh, yeah, at at, at what level is kind of the songwriting done and things like that. There's, There's always kind of like, kind of diplomatic things that need to be worked out and made sure that everyone feels like they have, they have the kind of a stake in it and feeling that they feel that, that, um, yeah, that like, they, yeah, that, that it works for them basically. But, uh, but I, 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 we're, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a happy place with, with, with that. So yeah, I feel, feel positive about it. As a band, are you good at controlling how good you sound live? And I don't mean each of you as musicians when you're on stage. I mean, whenever you get to a new venue, do you spend time working out the PA systems and working with your sound tech? Um, are you obsessive like that? 
I, th I, th I, th I think it's difficult to be really obsessive about it in, in that there's so much, especially when you're, when you're just doing like tours of venues you've never been to and um, you, you, you have to give as much responsibility as you can to the sound person, like it's their job. Um, you know, you've never been to the venue before. You haven't had pretty had a lengthy conversation before the day. But um, but yeah, no, definitely on, on the day when we arrive somewhere, like it is a constant kind of conversation about where often we, we set up in the round, like in on, on the floor of a venue. Um, whereas in that's kind of how we always try to play. Unless we're playing a festival where generally obviously we'll play on a stage. But um, yeah, so so I mean, I mean, and that's always a bit that's always a bit tricky for for, for, for sound people. But that, I mean, you know, the vast majority of them have been really willing to kind of help us out and, and um, make that happen. But yeah, no, obviously it's that yeah, we, we we try and be particular about things and make sure it sounds really good. But like also you have like a couple of hours to do that, so it's, it's never like perfect. Bands nowadays have read all about previous generations' mistakes that can lead to mental health issues and the demise of a musical project. Do you discuss this as a band? And do you try to follow some kind of order to avoid the trappings of the touring life? Not, not really. I mean, we're kind of all, we're all like in our late 20s. And so I, I think it would maybe be different if we were kind of in our early 20s, you know, or late teens, whatever like that, and doing this stuff, which I think there is, I don't know, a lot more risk involved and like just a lot less life experience, basically. And so, no, I know, but but I mean, that's not to say that it's not still doesn't hasn't hasn't affected us or will affect us. I mean, we haven't really we've only been on a week long tour before. Haven't been tour, we haven't toured for longer than that. Although we're about to go, we're about to talk about five six weeks as of end of March, which which is a bit daunting and. Um, you know, it's difficult to kind of get off work and like, and also, yeah, and also just the kind of general like levels of tiredness and yeah, fatigue that kind of go along with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite wary about that. I mean, I, I found the week long tour we did in October like exhausting. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit worried about it, but um, I think I was also a bit ill at the time. So that probably affected it. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're, 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 we're kind of worried. We're kind of quite excited. Uh, excited about it and I feel we're kind of probably in in places in our lives where we're kind of able to deal with the emotional kind of impact that it, it might have on us. Well, I wish you all the best and I'm looking so forward to seeing you live when you get here in May, Casper. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, mate. That's yeah, been really nice, really nice to chat to you. Um, yeah, see you in Barcelona.